You're listening to a teaching from Get the Word Out and Mary Jean Powers. For more information and audio content, visit www.getthewordout.cc. This is part two of a teaching on Sabbath rest. In part one, we alluded to some lies that we have believed, societal lies as well as lies perpetuated in the church. Some of these lies are tied to our thinking about God. And those are the lies we want to look at in part two of this podcast. Seven specific religious fallacies that many of us have believed about rest. Some challenging questions will be asked, and by God's grace, we will respond honestly and make some decisions to learn to rest God's way. So, let's begin. Everything God created, animals, even dirt, all living things, were created to go through a cycle of work and rest, work and rest. We must learn to live this rhythm, to incorporate it into our lives until it becomes our new normal. So here are seven religious fallacies, things that we sometimes tell ourselves are spiritual virtues which please God, but they are false. They are lies. They steal life from us. They do not give life to us. So the first fallacy we'll talk about is this. Busyness and exhaustion are like trophies for spirituality. Some cultures are task-oriented and others are relationship-oriented. Task-oriented cultures are more prone toward thinking that revolves around things like affluence, success, accomplishment, and independence, which often lead to possessiveness and selfishness and competition. Here's a personal way I can explain this. In the late 1970s, I was doing a lot of things to earn God's approval. I was being controlled by self-hatred, for one thing, and I had no idea what the unconditional love of God really was. One Sunday, a man at church had a word from God for me. I didn't know this man, but he was right on with what he said. Just like King David, God wants you to know that he does not want you to focus on building a kingdom for him, but that he wants to build his kingdom in you. So I ask you, whom are we trying to impress with our busyness? God? <laughs> he is not impressed. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So busyness and exhaustion are not trophies for spirituality. God's kingdom is radically different. The second religious fallacy many of us have believed 
is that our ability to withstand stress is a mark of true character. I have thought that I am a strong person, a woman of true character, if I can take a lot of stress without falling apart. We need to rethink that. We need to take an honest look at what continual stress is doing to our bodies, our minds, our emotions, our hearts, and our relationships. Here's another lie we've been told. Never waste a kingdom minute. We have people to save. We have nations to reach. We have vision to accomplish and dreams to make come true. God is always prompting us to do or say something spiritual, so he expects us to be doing the work of the ministry every waking minute. If I'm going to be like Jesus and be about my Father's business, well, that was 24-7. But what happens to our relationship with God when we live this way? God can become like our employer where we go to him for assignments and we march off to conquer the assignments, but we forget what his eyes look like. We forget that smile on his face. We don't often even take time to look directly at him. We just come to him to get the next thing to do. I've been told that being a good steward of my time and my talents means using all of my gifts all the time, but Jesus didn't. He only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. Remember, Jesus didn't heal everyone every day. He didn't feed everyone every day. We think that spiritual maturity means that God and people expect me to finish all my work by the end of every day. And that's kind of true. Jesus' followers are to have a good work ethic. We are created to be people of integrity who work diligently and honorably. But the work never ends. There must come a time when enough work has been done for that day or that week. And then it's time to rest. When the time for rest comes, the time for work is over. Number four, the busier we are, the more important we are. Well, <laughs> that's what we'd like to think. This kind of thinking reveals a false sense of security and identity, doesn't it? As we said before, Busyness doesn't determine value. Remember Adam and Eve? They didn't have to earn a day of rest. Their God-breathed existence made them valuable. So they received the gift of rest. You know, the scary part about this is the slowing down. When we don't fill every minute of the day and things become quiet and still, we may be forced to face our loneliness, our fears, our weaknesses, our inabilities, and then our security is shaken. Our identity is challenged. We associate our value, our identity, with our busyness and our performance. The fifth lie is one I've heard many, many times. 
If I rest, I'm lazy. We have this American expression, idle hands are the devil's workshop. But let me make a rather confrontive statement here. Letting someone else dictate my schedule during my time off, now that's lazy and irresponsible. Let me explain what I mean by that. Is it really okay to allow others to continually interrupt or steal my personal times of relationship with my family or with the Lord? To steal my health, my rest? Do I have to immediately respond to every text, every post, every email, every phone call? Even if I am spending time with God, my family, or if I'm in bed, or doing an activity that nourishes my own soul? Is it God's will that we are literally on call 24-7, available to anyone, anytime? I don't think so. To illustrate number six, let me share a personal story. But first, here's the fallacy. To serve God means to do good works. And here's the story. In 2003, I suffered a complete physical breakdown. It wasn't a chemical imbalance. I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't depressed. I was beyond exhausted. I had worked between 60 and 80 hours per week for 12 years with only a couple of short vacations, and my body simply refused to keep going. At that time, I had been living on missionary support for one year, and I couldn't imagine how I could continue to survive if I took time off. What would I say to my supporters? There was no way I could figure this out for myself, so I went away for a week of intensive counsel and prayer. When my counselor informed me that I had to take a year sabbatical, I overreacted. I can't do that. What will I tell my supporters? They'll stop supporting me, and then how will I pay my bills? Listen, I want to serve Jesus. I love him. I want to make a difference. I'm in ministry, for heaven's sake. When I finally shut up, my counselor gently brought me back to reality. You are not going to have a ministry if you don't learn to rest. I burst into tears and humbly admitted, but I don't know how. And as I continued to pray about how to navigate a sabbatical, this is what I sensed the Lord saying to me. I appreciate your love for me and your desire to serve me, but your definition is wrong. To serve me is to do my bidding, and I am bidding you to rest. To serve me is not to do something, but to obey me. If I ask you to stop and rest and you obey me, you are serving me. You know, my heart was sincere. I really wanted to be a God pleaser, but I missed Father's heart, and He is not a slave driver. He's a Father, my Father. And there's not always something to do in Father's house. Sometimes we just need to be. 
When my boys were growing up, there wasn't always something to do. Make your bed, set the table, mow the lawn, brush your teeth. No, a lot of the time, they just got to be boys. They played and read and took naps and rode their bikes and listened to music. We are not designed to work all the time. We are designed for regular rhythms of rest and restoration. This is the last lie that we will talk about in this teaching. I think especially for those of us who are in full-time ministry, this has been a lie that we have believed. I have to earn my keep in the kingdom. In other words, I have to perform sufficient work in exchange for my salary or your donation to my ministry, etc. Listen, we didn't get saved by doing good works. We do good works because we are saved. Jesus was obedient because he was a son, not in order to become a son. But we don't prove that we are saved by our good works either. Lots of people do lots of good things, but that doesn't mean that they are Jesus followers. God's goal is not to improve us so that we act like good people. In My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers said, The expression of Christian character is not good doing, but God-likeness. If the Spirit of God has transformed you within, you will exhibit divine characteristics, not good human characteristics. God's life expresses itself as God's life, not as human life trying to be godly. But for those of us in ministry, this is tricky. Whose standards are we trying to live up to anyway? Of course we have a job description and certain expectations are made of us. But oftentimes there's this pressure, possibly even an unspoken understanding, that enough is never enough. That more can always be done. That we never quite measure up to what could be. And in that case, it feels as though we haven't really earned our salary or proven to our supporters that we are worth their donation. And this kind of thinking creates a lot of confusion in us and guilt, even fear. So, what is our conclusion regarding rest? A choice must be made for rest. Then what is rest? We often define it wrongly, as I've mentioned before. We can easily become lethargic or apathetic or complacent procrastinators when we do not understand God's definition of rest. We want to make sure that our definition of rest aligns with the biblical definitions that I mentioned earlier, to stop working, to take an intermission, to restore. Here's one key question we can ask when determining our definition of rest. What are your restorative activities? When you feel empty or exhausted, what restores your body, your mind, emotions, or your spirit? Uh, 
What restores when you feel like you're on sensory overload? What restores when you've been around people too much or spent too much time with too many people who suck the life out of you? What restores you when you have simply been working too hard? Let's go back to this idea of rest being like an intermission. During the intermission to a stage play or a concert, what happens? Well, the show stops, we stretch our bodies, we get some refreshments, food or drink, we go to the restroom, we reconnect with the outside world, we talk about what just happened and speculate about what is to come. We wait with anticipation. These activities restore us and prepare us for the next part of the show. And this is the concept of Sabbath rest. God says, work six days, then rest one. Work six days, then rest one. Every week, work six days, then rest one. So ask yourself, what was depleted during the six days you worked? In what areas are you empty? Where do you feel weak? Where are you lacking a vibrant quality of life? According to God's original intention for his creations, Sabbath is for getting back what has been depleted, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and creatively, and to prepare us to start a new week in a fresh and rested way. So here's another personal question for you. Are the deadlines that pressure you self-imposed or directed by God? Are you expecting more of yourself than God is? Are you running faster than Holy Spirit is leading you? Jesus walked, and he only did what he saw his Father doing. In John 5, 19, Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. One of the most important lessons I've learned regarding rest is to never respond exclusively to need, but always respond to the Holy Spirit. If I constantly respond to need, I will wear myself out. If I respond to Holy Spirit, I will learn to serve with His strength and His peace in His timing. Of course, there are urgent needs at times, and we should respond to them. We are exhorted all through the Bible to serve God and one another with a willing attitude. But... If we have the habit of saying yes to every need that comes along and we don't stop to ask Holy Spirit if we are the ones He has chosen to meet that need at that time, we will burn out and become resentful. Hebrews chapters 3 and 4 teach us about the Sabbath rest of God. I strongly encourage you to stop and read Hebrews 3 and 4 as soon as possible. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, it says, 
there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So we have to ask the question, what keeps us from entering God's Sabbath rest, God's original intent for the Sabbath? Hebrews 3.18 says that God's people were not able to enter his rest because they had disobeyed him. The obvious question here is, do I not live in God's rest because I refuse to obey something he has told me to do or not to do? Have I been disobedient to something God told me to do? If so, I will not be able to live restfully or work from the place of rest as God has designed. Hebrews 3.19 says that God's people were not able to enter his rest because of unbelief. In other words, they didn't trust God. Again, the obvious question we need to ask is, in what way am I not trusting God? Is that why I haven't been able to enter his rest? Where is he asking me to step out in faith and I simply do not trust him? Hebrews 4, 7-11 say that God's people were not able to enter his rest because their hearts were hard. Lord, do I have a hard heart toward you or toward someone else? If so, I won't be able to fully rest. So we just looked at three things about entering God's rest and what keeps us from entering his rest. Entering God's rest is dependent upon trust, a soft heart, and obedience to God's command to rest. God's plan for our rest is available to every Jesus follower. It is still possible to enter God's rest even when culture does not promote it, even when the demands of ministry continue to increase. What is Sabbath rest? It is a rest like the Sabbath was originally intended to be, back in the Garden of Eden. One definition is a repose of Christianity. Another is Sabbath rest is a type of heaven. It is relational, enjoyable, and restorative. God's rest is available because of the new covenant he made with us through Jesus. And it's for every day, not just for one certain day of the week. Hebrews 4.7 says, Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Today is now. Today, God's rest is available to you. Today, don't harden your heart. Today, trust him. Today, obey whatever he is telling you. And the promise is that today, you can rest. Of course, God has also given us the command to remember to rest. Every day we can live in God's rest because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. However, he has not rescinded his command to weekly set apart a day for restoration. Now, a few more personal questions that can help you begin to choose some rhythms of restoration. What are some root issues which keep us from resting?
Is it pride that keeps us going and going and giving and serving and doing when we so desperately need to rest? If so, repent and ask God for a spirit of humility. Does the fear of being still or the fear of the quiet keep us from resting? When we are still, pain has space to surface, doesn't it? Sadness, sorrow, loss. So we keep going, we don't stop and rest. And if you fear these things, stop right now and ask Jesus to begin healing you of the pain you feel so deeply. Remember, he is near to the brokenhearted, but we need to invite him into those deep places in our hearts. Is it fear of man that keeps us from resting? In other words, what will people think if I slow down? What will people think if I take a day off? What will people think if I don't jump when they have a need? Let me remind you again that we must not respond exclusively to need, but we must learn to respond to the Holy Spirit. If I constantly respond to need, I will wear myself out. But if I respond to Holy Spirit, I will learn to serve with his strength and his peace in his timing. If we have the habit of saying yes to every need that comes along and don't stop to ask Holy Spirit if we are the ones he has chosen to meet that need at that time, we will burn out and become resentful. Again, repent. Ask for God's help to turn from this habit that is stealing life from you. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal the root of that habit. And remember that the opposite of fear of man is the fear of the Lord. Where I care more about what God thinks than what man thinks, and I act on what God says. Or maybe it's something as simple as awkwardness. Maybe one of our issues that keep us from resting is... <laughs> We don't know how to spend quality time with friends or family. We don't know how to be alone in a healthy way. It's really practical. We just don't know how. Learning to be at peace with ourselves and others, that is a lifelong lesson to be sure. But let's start learning it. These are questions we must ask ourselves and honestly answer. If you need help, remember that Holy Spirit would love to help you sort out your thoughts and your questions. So, one last personal question. If I continue to live at my present pace without learning to rest God's way, what will my life look like in five years, ten years, or at the end of my life? What effect will a driven lifestyle have on my closest relationships? What will happen if I don't learn to rest? I was meditating on this one day and remembered my experience at the Center for Malnourished Babies in Sierra Leone, West Africa. And I realized that 
speed this more, bigger, better, faster lifestyle. Speed malnourishes us. Lack of rest makes us forget to adequately care for ourselves. We get malnourished. But the Lord says, remember, remember the Sabbath. Remember to rest. At the Center for Malnourished Babies, I learned that malnourishment stunts their growth. Malnourishment results in poor eyesight. In other words, their vision becomes blurred. Malnourishment weakens the body. It makes us susceptible to disease. Malnourishment causes us not to heal. And that's what happens to me when I don't rest. My personal growth is stunted. My vision becomes blurred, so I lose the sense of where I'm going. I feel weak. I'm more susceptible to things that hurt me. I'm more easily offended. And I don't get healed emotionally, physically, mentally, relationally. So the real question becomes, have we chosen to follow our driven culture in regard to the pace we live, or do we believe and trust God's word? Do we trust his Father's heart? In his book, Sabbath, Wayne Mueller says, The Sabbath commandment comes from a kind, wise teacher who does not like to see us suffer. Let me make it easier for you, God says. Some things at first may seem expedient or important or profitable, but in the end, they will bring you suffering. If you work all week and forget to rest, you will become brittle and hard and lose precious nourishment and joy. Forgetting the Sabbath is like forgetting to unwrap the most beautiful gift under the Christmas tree. If we forget to rest, we will work too hard and forget our more tender mercies, forget those we love, forget our children, and our natural wonder. God says, please don't. It is a waste of a tremendous gift I have given you. If you knew the value of your life, you would not waste a single breath. So I give you this commandment. Remember to rest. This is not a lifestyle suggestion, but a commandment as important as not stealing, not murdering, or not lying. Remember to play and bless and make love and eat with those you love and take comfort, easy and long, in this gift of sacred rest. And so now, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, I give you permission to rest. You've been listening to a teaching by Mary Jean Powers. If this teaching has ministered to or encouraged you, 
and you'd like to donate, please visit www.getthewordout.cc.